Flip phones, galaxies, and Galaxy Buds, plus oh my, Samsung announced several new products this week, but are they anything Apple should be worried about? Also, we've got more rumors about the so-called iPhone SE 2, and we'll chat a bit about iOS 13.4. All this and more on this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 685 of the Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Leif Johnson, standing in for Roman Loyola. And here in the studio with me, I have Jason Cross. Hello. Mike Simon is out wrapping up his covers of Samsung's Unpacked event, so it's just a two-man show today. Fortunately, there's plenty of stuff on the table for both of us to chat about. So uh, first off, there are some new rumors about the device people are calling the iPhone SE 2 or the iPhone 9. So first things first, back on Friday, Fast Company published a story claiming that the device would cost $399, which was the original starting price of the iPhone SE. It'll also supposedly be announced in March. Um, just like to say that Macworld writer Jason Snell also got a shout out in that piece for his analysis of Apple's latest financial results reports. So Fast Company in this case was citing its own quote sources near the iPhone supply chain, but this is all in line with an October report from analyst Ming-Chi Kuo that said much the same. Kuo, though, said that the uh, device would have 64 gigabytes of storage. So uh, people are already taking this seriously, uh, so much so that earlier this week we got an email from Casemaker Totally that announced that they were already making their own case and taking pre-orders for the iPhone SE 2, and that's the name they're going for. They're actually going to put that on the packaging, I think, and it'll cost $35. Well, that's they, they've been wrong on the names before these early <laughs> yeah, case guys. Yes. I mean, uh, the case guys at this point are guessing. Yes, they are. Based on their own sources and links within the supply chain so we don't know when they do things like put a a camera cut out on the back and stuff like that they're they're going off what their best information is but they don't know so see, we'll i've see. seen that happen happen before it was one of the case makers and I, I won't call them out because they're a pretty big one but mm -hmm. it was one of those you know I, I often think that they have the schematics ahead of time or something yeah. like that but there was one where the button was very so ever so slightly off and yeah that, to me that really proves that it is kind of a guessing game it does happen and we don't know what it's going to be called but i really hope it's not the iphone 9 oh yes that's, that's i think it's going to that's going to be very confusing se2 would be good or just go with some completely new name like iphone air or something and just but it, don't make it don't confuse people that it's like less than an iphone 10 even though it's yes. got an a13 in it and just like eh and that's you know I think they did really well last year with the 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 iPhone 11 11 numbering and I think you know this yeah. SE would be something very noticeably different. So yeah, and I think 399 is a price that makes sense. That's mm -hmm. uh, for Apple a very cheap phone. Yes. Um, I think based on the rumors of what it's supposed to be, mm -hmm. like the technology that's in it and stuff, I think they could hit that price point. Right. And a lot of people would see a lot of value in that. They like, has the latest chip and 64 gigs, but it's still got touch ID and mm -hmm. it's still an LCD and it's lower res and stuff. And I think a lot of people would be perfectly happy with that and they would fly off the shelves. Yeah. Like I, they would sell a lot of iPhones at 399. And just like the, the price decrease with the iPhone 11, you know, I think that was one of the reasons why they had such a good quarter. And yep. It's, yeah, and people want cheaper phones and good ones, too. And uh, just want to say another thing, too, about the uh, the Totally thing. Uh, usually, because, you know, I, I work with the iPhone cases, they give you some kind of embargo. Case makers want to give you an embargo. Totally, yeah. you know, last year with the iPhone 11, you know, they, they didn't actually call it that. It was like, you know, they would call it like the 5.8-inch iPhone or something like that. But, uh, yeah, they 
I think they called it, yeah, I think they had sizes of like 5.8-inch iPhone 2019 yeah, or something exactly, is what they yes. called it. Yeah. And that's what we often get. But other people who did that same thing often tell us to agree to an embargo. Totally was like, nope, you could totally talk about no, this. No, <laughs> they want, and they want, they're taking pre-orders and, and they just guarantee them. They just say, we're, so, we're confident it's going to fit right and everything, but if it doesn't, you will we'll replace them at least the iphone 11 was actually announced by that point last year this time they're they're getting ahead of even the announcement right so that's kind of crazy i actually i've never bought one of their cases like before phone came came out or anything but Mm -hmm. i have used totally's cases on the last couple of my iphones Mm -hmm. because i like those super they make those super super thin thin cases where it's basically like putting a skin on your phone Mm -hmm. except way easier to put on uh, and that's that's what I like. They do a really good job with that kind of thing where it's like I'm just worried about scratches, not like heavy right. impact resistance and stuff. See, that that's to me. I admire Totally's cases because they're so thin and mm-hmm. they, they make a really good clear case, too. It's almost invisible. And uh, but the problem is, yeah, I am one of those people that drops my phone. All yeah, the you time, need so. a little you need a little more cushion around the edge. <laughs> yes. So yep. it's uh, so if you don't do that a lot. Yeah, to- totally makes great cases. So um so the iPhone SE or whatever it's may call, um, called may still be a long way off. If you'd like to try out another Apple creation ahead of time, you can tinker around with the upcoming iOS and iPadOS 13.4 patch if you're on Apple's public beta program. Um, it's got a couple of cool things. Uh, let's see. Uh, when it, you got iCloud Drive folder sharing, finally. This was uh, supposed to be in the initial iOS 13 release. But yeah, it, it, it appeared in that iOS 13 beta before launch, yes. and then they pulled it out because, like, guess it wasn't working right (laughs) and it's taken this long to get it back in so that's and basically what this does it allows you everyone to see the contents of that folder and uh matter of fact roman is going to be editing this uh podcast and so give you an idea like i'm going to put this in google drive because it's a lot easier to share the folder on that exactly right yeah so this will this will get you there and on the latest mac catalina beta when and when that comes out and these you'll be able to share an icloud folder with somebody and they'll just all see the contents of it. That's really one of the big missing links for iCloud yes. as a like cloud service, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, storage service for consumers. There's fancier things that businesses might need, but just for consumers, being able to go like everybody dump your stuff in this folder just really wasn't something iCloud could do. Yeah, so and that's that, huge for for a cloud storage program. You really need that for collaboration. And uh, like, like I was saying with this podcast, um, uh, the big, one of the big ones I think now, and it's kind of this kind of la- overlaps in the macOS as well. Um, but developers can now sell macOS and iOS versions of their apps in a single purpose. Finally, purchase. Yeah. Uh, yes. And- uh, yeah, we've been we've been talking about that a lot. Like, because you could do that between iPad and. Uh, iPhone. Yes. You could have separate apps or you could say, hey, you buy one app, you get the iPad and the iPhone version. Uh, and to extend that to Mac, we've been, that's what we've all said with Catalyst. Hey, maybe they'll extend that to Mac. And they hadn't and they didn't. So that's going to make uh, all those Catalyst apps a lot more appealing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be for Catalyst apps. Right. I think Apple enables it by default for Catalyst apps and mm-hmm. developers can turn it off, but they can turn it on for anything. And I this is a huge thing. This is this is one of the missing pieces mm-hmm. to making Apple's ecosystem really sing is that all those iPhone users, they go to buy a computer. And if Apple can sell them on the idea of when you log into your computer for the very first time, you're, that new Mac you buy, mm-hmm. you're just going to have all these apps you've already bought. 
Now, how do you think that's going to affect pricing? Because the way it works now mm. is, yeah, is you have the Mac version where it costs like forty bucks, and the iPad version might cost nine. Right, yes. and then and then uh, the iPhone version is like two ninety nine yes, or something. Exactly, and they're pretty similar. They're yeah, sometimes cool. they're similar. Uh, I think we're seeing so many apps move to a subscription model anyway mm-hmm. that it, it it's a matter. It's great that they did this. I think. It, this was really important because it counts for in-app purchases too. Yeah, Like you can make your in-app purchase on one device and you'll get it on the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's that worry that it depresses the price. But on the other hand, it's like that, are you going to take advantage of a bigger marketplace? Yeah. Like, so I don't know where the cross, I think every app developer has got a different crossover point of like, well, I'll make it up in volume. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that's just different for everybody. Yeah. Um, it's a concern I, it, about will it inflate prices for like iPhone apps or will it depress prices for Mac apps? Mm-hmm. But God, if it sells a lot more apps, then maybe it's worth it. Yes. And, you know, I could be wrong, but I would say like the iPad and stuff these days is probably a bigger market for this stuff than the, the Mac. And it's Yeah, but I think that's that's the problem Apple's trying to fix. Right, right? exactly. Yes. And, you know, and hopefully if it works, you know, it, I, that that's I do actually try to get apps that work within all of the systems like Fantastical is one of them mm-hmm. and stuff because it, it's very nice. I, I'm doing that as we speak. I'm you know, I wrote up something on iWriter and I'm looking at it on my iPhone right now for mm-hmm. for notes and stuff. And so I like and that, that's another case where you'd have to buy three different versions of the app. So yeah. exactly. That's exactly the kind of like iWriter is a perfect example of an app that I just want to buy once and have it in my whole Apple ecosystem. Yes. And I would I would pay a little bit more for that because they're not charging me a subscription. They just use my iCloud. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And uh, another change is Mail app finally goes back to the older toolbar design that we saw in iOS 12, which mm-hmm. includes things uh, like send the trash, uh, move message, flag, and reply at the bottom of each message thing. But they had just made it like reply and trash and they were right next to each other yes so you could accidentally hit the wrong one and trash messages now the trash can's like way on the other side yeah it's better it was Um, this needed to be done yes Yes. this is this is fixing a long time and so yay mail is uh, is nice again um little thing in there there was a car key api that works with wallet to let your iphone or apple watch lock unlock or start your car this is probably not like there's going to be an Apple car, but it's probably going to work with third-party people. Yeah, yeah this is uh, Apple's part of a consortium mm-hmm. of with car mem- makers and other phone makers and stuff to enable this sort of thing where you have you, a Hyundai or something like that that has keyless entry. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as it's got NFC and you uh, if you have the app on your phone, it can add itself to your wallet and then your phone can become your NFC key yes. car instead of your key fob. There's no, it's not going to suddenly work when 13.4 comes out. Like car makers have to support this too, <laughs> but it's all part of a, of an industry effort. So that's going to happen. This is just sort of the first thing. And I, and other phone makers are going to start doing this too. Cause there's other guys, your Samsungs and Googles and stuff are in this consortium too. Yeah. I, I'm one of those weirdos that doesn't have a car. So, uh, but this sounds really interesting. I have to admit when I get into cars these days, I, I still am very shocked. I was like, wow, this is really advanced. It's one of those <laughs> things where, uh, I, it's one of those things I envy about like a Tesla. Yeah. Like why, why I would want one is they, now they're using Bluetooth and their own proprietary everything. But just that idea of like, why am I carrying around another thing when I've got this way more secure phone? Yes. It's way more secure than my car key fob is. Why can't this just be my key fob? Yes. So. 
Yeah. And uh, and lastly, uh, that I know of, we have new Memoji. So yes, not even new Memoji, just the the things where you use your Memoji to make an emoji sticker. Ah, yes. It's mm-hmm. just like new emotions stickers. You know, yeah. like the head explodes sticker and stuff like that. There's just a few new of those. Sounds good. So it's not even, yeah. So yeah, if you really into that, if you want to get into that. <laughs> I know that nobody who uses those stickers at all. And I feel bad, like even some younger people I I'm friends with don't use them that much, or maybe I'm just considered not cool enough or too old to be <laughs> shared with that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, if you want to check that out, uh, if you're on the public beta, it seems pretty pretty stable. Um, yeah, you can uh, get on the iOS 13.4 beta, and it's the public beta right now. So. Uh, Generally, hopefully, that's pretty stable. So, yeah. Um, Let's see. So, in other news, if you use an Apple card, you might be happy to know that you can finally export your data in an OFX file format, which means you can use it with uh, services like Quicken. I want to say technically, anyway. Uh, This morning, I was seeing reports that people are actually having trouble importing that data into stuff like Quicken or Banktivity. Uh, Quicken, in particular, will give you a message like, OFX parsing failed. Uh, Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so... Mm. I, I'm hearing a lot of that too. So it wasn't like just that random dude that can't get it to work and stuff. Oh boy. <laughs> it seems like a lot of people. So last month, uh, Apple allowed you to start exporting data, but it was uh, it was only CSV files. This should be a lot more helpful if you use things like Quicken. Yeah, and their CSV, like that's just comma separated. It's right. just a way of describing a spreadsheet and mm-hmm. separating blocks by commas. I was say it's basically and, and like their, <laughs> their ordering of stuff was like a little funky compared to some uh, financial apps like YNAB and stuff, you had to like use a converter to change this column into a different column, you know? Yes. <laughs> for the, so it's it's not been totally smooth. I kind of wish they'd done this back in August when they launched this thing, uh, you know, because it, like I've already turned in my taxes. <laughs> so, you know, if I had, a, you know, been using my Apple card, uh, this would have been no help to me. Um, so, but if you are, you know, that that is an option just, you know, a couple months ahead of time. So. And if you like Mint, Mint is huge. Yes. Uh, Mint does not support importing anything. I was going to say that. All. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't use it, but I've heard that that you didn't. You, you have to. You can directly link to accounts, mm-hmm. and you can just manually enter one thing at a time, which nobody wants to do. Right. But they don't do any importing at all. Huh. So still waiting for that. So I've heard a lot of people say that they didn't actually get an Apple Card because, you know, back when it first came out, because it didn't have an option like this. Yep. You think that's really the case? You think this get more people to use um, it? Most of those people that I saw are people who are, like, really into Mint, mm-hmm. and they're still out because you're just like, well, no, but it still doesn't sync with Mint. Yeah. Like, I don't want to export every month's f- report and then import it into my thing. I just want it to sync together. So, which they're still not doing with anything. But hopefully what this means is they're on the way to that mm-hmm. because that's essentially what these sync formats do is they just grab that open financial exchange format. Like That's essentially how these things all communicate. So hopefully it won't be far. Let's go ahead and jump into our feature discussion, which on the face of it doesn't have much to do with Apple at all. Uh, let's see. So um, on Tuesday, Samsung had its Unpacked Here event in San Francisco and announced several products, some of which it clearly wants to see as game-changing. Uh, the biggest one, I think, was the Galaxy Z Flip, which is uh, Samsung's latest attempt to make a foldable phone after the not-so-lovingly-received Galaxy Fold. Yeah. It should start Which ship- they, what they, they, like, delayed. And yes. Like, oh, oh my God. God, it breaks? Uh, Wait, um, we're not going to ship it? 
it was like the thing that seemed yeah. like it was barely tested. I mean, because yeah. it got it, people were breaking it so quickly. Mm. It was like they opened it, like they opened a box, and it was already having problems. Dust underneath the, you know, that that was the thing. They, it actually has a glass. You know, this this Galaxy C Flip actually have glass now. I just want to say that it's it's called the Flip. Uh, where it's, uh, you know, so it basically looks like an old clamshell phone. Yeah, you it, flip it open vertically like the old Razor or the new Razor. The new Razor, the which Motorola is Razor. Which is now screwed because, yes. because theirs is really expensive, too. They have this same thing. Like, it's a smartphone you flip open vertically. Yes. And it's gonna, also going to be very expensive, but they don't have Samsung's marketing muscle and stuff. They're like, they're no. It's <laughs> this, this kills that for sure. So yeah, give you an idea of price. Uh, these, these are both pretty expensive. Galaxy Z Flip is thirteen eighty, one thousand three hundred eighty dollars, whereas the Razer is uh, one thousand four hundred ninety nine. Um, when you unfold the Flip, it'll take up about six point seven inches, which, if I'm interpreting that correctly, is a little bigger than an iPhone eleven Pro Max. It's 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 a lot thinner, so it's okay. longer and thinner. Uh huh. When it's unfolded. Yes. So it's not exactly the same screen area. It's a little different. And let's see, fourteen hundred bucks though, starting at fourteen hundred bucks. That's a lot of money. So one thing I'm not clear of is: it, does it sit flat, or does it like yeah. stay, stay constant? Okay. Yeah, it, it will open all the way flat, and you can watch videos and stuff like on a full screen across the front, uh -huh. or you can snap it closed, or you can do the hinge halfway to yes. take a selfie or something like that. You know. Prop it up for a video. It's got a couple little screens on the outside back. Mm -hmm, for like notifications. Yeah, for like notifications and stuff. And man, it just seems like one of those things that Samsung keeps throwing these things out there. And they're technically impressive, but mm -hmm. there's no standard for the, any yes. of this stuff. So it's just not going to go anywhere. Like app developers just aren't going to develop a lot of stuff specifically for this $1,400 phone. They'll support a $1,400 phone if it's all of its features are part of, like, standard things that they, when they develop it, it's useful on other phones, too. Mm -hmm. So until there's, like, a bunch of foldable phones and there's some standards for how folding screens or app developers communicate with fold, about folding screens and stuff like that, it's just not, not going to get there. Another thing I don't really like about the phone is, uh, okay, people say, okay, we're getting tired of the same phone design and everything. The thing is, yes, the modern phone smartphone is one big slab. The, the thing is, is that means it's a very structurally sound design. Basically, when you have a phone, the only thing you're really worried about breaking is the screen. Mm -hmm. uh, with this, you know, there is a chance of, you know, accidentally being ripped in half or something like that. It, it's not, anything with a hinge is not going to be as... Yeah, more physical, large physically moving parts. Yes. Uh, the the glass on the inside that folds, you know, is it highly scratch resistant? Like it resists that folding, but it does it. What happens when you scratch it? What happens when you fold it a hundred thousand times or something? You bought a fourteen hundred dollar phone. Right. It, it, if you unfold it and unfold it for three years, like what happens? I don't know anybody. Who, that's not true. <laughs> 90% of the people I know use a case on their phone. Yes. What about cases for these folding phones? Yeah. Like, you know? And especially uh, since it has that display on the outside. It's right, kind of yeah. You know, is it two half cases you could put on the top and bottom and just leave the hinge exposed? Like, uh, yeah, the, the whole thing is just the world doesn't need folding phones. Right. Like, the, we were talking about this with Windows 10X, which also just happened recently. Mm -hmm. Microsoft talking about this new, what they call an expression of Windows 10. But it's, <laughs> a, it's a new sort of version of Windows 10 made especially for these, like, 
folding dual screen devices that's coming up and it's not going to replace regular windows 10 yet and everything but it's like the whole industry really wants these foldable dual screen things to happen way more than consumers do they're, like, right. they're really trying to make it happen and there's just too many caveats and gotchas and this doesn't work right and this doesn't feel good and this isn't durable and this you know, so I don't I don't know if we're just in the growing pains early days where Samsung's willing willing to try a bunch of stuff until it becomes successful, or if they're just like tilting at windmills and it's never gonna get there. It's kind of in in that regard, they're two different different concepts. Kind of reminds me of the VR story where people mm -hmm. are just trying to make it work, and it, it is getting better. And it's just like folding phones are gonna get better, but you know, it still hasn't quite taken off the way they thought it thought it, thought, thought that it would. And I think it'll be have a similar thing. I, that, that's the main thing. About it. I'm really afraid of breaking this thing. And it, you know, if I were to, if even if Apple were to come out with one, Apple doesn't like, you know, one thing I'll say about Apple's design is it tries to eliminate breakable parts as much as it can. You'll mm -hmm. have the people say, "Oh, my thing broke and stuff," but that's why you know that the stereotypes of Apple design that it doesn't have, you know, that it's smooth as it can. It has few buttons. It has. That's why is they're trying to eliminate that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I see cracked screens everywhere, but you know, there's a whole lot of people out there still using their four and five year old iPhones. Yes, and that's impressive. Mm -hmm. Like you know, that's a, that's a good thing in a way. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about this, our whole dual screen. And then I don't even know what problem it's trying to solve. Right. Because everybody talks about how much smaller it gets, but nobody's willing. I, I see nobody ever willing to fold one of these things in half and put it in their pocket because being half as big and twice as thick mm -hmm. isn't making it really more pocketable. Like it kind of is if you're a guy who has big pockets, but we don't have a problem anyway. Right. Like stick this in the the back pocket of girls' jeans or something, and, and tell me that it's pocketable. It's not. It's thick. It's really thick when you fold it in half. And yeah, thing, we're it's a ways off. It's another. It's another step. Um, you know, I, I guess you could say that like about an, you know an Apple Watch is convenient and stuff. Sometimes I feel like I'm not. Even, I'm not wearing it today. Uh, the, I don't even feel like I need an Apple Watch because I can just pull out my phone real quick and look at something, even unlock it really quickly and see mm -hmm. what I need to see and put it back in. It, it, it's you know because and that kind of goes with that one slab design it's really easy to see this stuff and look at stuff at a glance with that you got to be you know if you don't see something on a notification screen you got to take that extra step to open up the phone and it's just kind of yeah I and you're pulling it out practical. i actually think something like an app if we're, we're talking about dual screen designs mm -hmm. i think something like an apple watch where your your second screen is separate on a separate device that mm -hmm. you use differently makes a lot more sense to me yes like being able to hearing my phone ring and just looking at my wrist and i see who's calling and stuff like that it, instead of oh my phone's over there on the desk let me go grab it or pulling it out of my pocket while i'm walking down the street like that's convenient to me that's a much more convenient place to put a second screen that's a good point than, that is apple's version of that yeah, yeah. And and other manufacturers, they're not the only one with a smartwatch. But uh -huh. but yeah, I don't I, this whole foldable thing <laughs> just ah, drives me nuts. So if you don't like the idea of a flip phone, uh, Samsung did actually come out with the the, the Galaxy S twenty, a couple of new models of that, and you know as is typical, they focused a lot on the cameras on these. So there's mm -hmm. a, there's some really impressive stuff with the cameras on there. Kind and, of. 
There's yeah. impressive sound and stuff. That's the that's the good best way to put it. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. They have this hundred X zoom. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Which is like it's a combination of like digital zoom and dirt. They have a really high res sensor, so they're cropping in on the sensor and it's digital zoom. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, at a hundred X, it looks really bad. <laughs> right. Like it's impressive that they can zoom into a hundred X, but it looks like garbage. Computer enhanced. Yeah, yeah it looks really. <laughs> Not, still, at like 20x zoom, though, it looks really good, and it's because they have this 100 megapixel sensor, and they're like, yes. they can do a lot of cropping and stuff like that. So, but other than that, you, you, oh, um, Mike Simon, you know, um, he for PC World wrote a couple of things yesterday, mm-hmm. and one of the things he was saying is, uh, what was it about the the quad, the quad HD? You could not use it. Oh, because those phones also have come with 120 um, hertz re- refresh rate, but right. you could not use that at the same time as their quad HD. Yeah, you yeah. have to turn. It's it's not automatic. Uh-huh. You have to turn on the 120 hertz mode, and when you do, the resolution drops. So, yeah, it's like one or the other to take yeah. effect. Yeah. And that's, you know, Razer's done a better job with 120 hertz than that. I still like to see them pushing these higher refresh rate phones. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that's good. I think there's a case for that, especially you do so much smooth scrolling with text on your phones. Like mm-hmm. every app we use is basically a vertical list of pictures and images. Right. <laughs> like Instagram, Twitter, web pages, like everything on your phone is that. So 120 hertz has a lot of value. It just needs to be automatic. When the screen is static, drop it down to like ten hertz, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then when you scroll, jump it up to one twenty. Just be like ProMotion on yeah. iPads mm-hmm. would be great. That would be wonderful. So, and I'm really hope that this year's iPhone twelve mm-hmm. has ProMotion. And it, some it, it seems like that would be a good way to do it. Yeah. yeah, they haven't done that with OLEDs yet, but there is a manufacturer that makes hundred twenty hertz OLEDs for phones that uh-huh. that. Um, that they're going to start using some manufacturers so I, I guess you know that whole thing with the the galaxy would be a reminder that you know that that is what a lot of smartphone makers seem to find themselves in the position of is like what can we do to make this better we can make the camera better and so mm-hmm. i think you know that it's something if the things like the flip phone feel like you know it's innovation for the sake of innovation is that's why i think is they're they're trying to come up with something more interesting to do with it that's not you know that's it goes beyond software um, last thing I think important to talk, talk about, uh, you know, Samsung has their Galaxy Buds, and uh, so their Galaxy Buds are getting a upgrade, and uh, you know that's kind of like their competitor to the, um, Apple's AirPods, and this time it's the Galaxy Buds Pro Plus. Plus, and, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they get a single driver to a dual driver system. Got you know two, three microphones instead of uh, two. And uh, I'm really impressed with the battery life. They said they can get 11 hours on a full charge, whereas apparently with the AirPods Pro, I mean, uh, you can get five on a full charge, where yeah. it's like 4.5 if you go if you have A and C active. But the case gives uh, 24 hours of listening time. I gotta say, I never really run out of battery on my AirPods Pro. It, no, I, you, yeah. you'd have to be listening over like a long flight, just have them in for that. Yes. long because anytime even if i'm listening all day at home or something they're not in my ears the entire time uh-huh. I'm po- i put them back in my case and then the 15 minutes they're in my case while i walk the dog or mm-hmm. make lunch or whatever i'm doing they're recharging enough and you know i get plenty of life out of it still getting over five or six would be probably a good thing it would definitely be this a good is thing. Their, their competitor for the regular airpods because they're 150 uh-huh. so 150 bucks is kind of airpod territory not pro yeah so they don't have noise canceling but they're not really in that price range so 
people say the sound is good. And, you know, I, I did a video, and I admit I got some flack for it, because I did it in the context of a iPhone user, you know, I, you know, because, you know, some people use sure. their AirPods with a, you know, Samsung phone, and I wanted to see what it was like to use I, I I still thought the AirPods sounded, you know. I don't I, think the regular Galaxy Buds sounded great. Uh -huh. um, and certainly there are so many uh, true wireless earbuds now. Uh -huh. And some of them really do sound pretty good, a lot better than the old Galaxy Buds. So maybe these are better. Maybe this is better. Yeah. Um, no matter which one you get, they're not going to be as easy as AirPods. Yeah. Because Apple's just using their access to their own ecosystem to make syncing super easy and just you know make it seamlessly work with all of your stuff and automatically like connect through iCloud to your Mac once you you know hook them up to your iPhone so all that stuff's never going to work no matter what other brand of stuff you get I'm going to go ahead and say the battery was the only thing that had me thinking like yeah I'd like to have something like that but all the all the rest of this stuff it was just like like the you know the Galaxy C Flip. It was like this is interesting, but there wasn't any like I wish Apple would do that. No, yeah, except for battery life. Everybody loves battery life. Everybody loves. Battery Come on, life, Apple. Yes. <laughs> so there's that. So that's enough talking about Samsung. And <laughs> well, well, do you think any of these things are in any way really a threat to Apple? No. More than they ever usually. I are. don't. Yes, yeah. and I, I really don't. There, there's, and that, that's kind of what I was saying. There's, there's nothing that made me. You know, the other context of, as I wish Apple would do that, it was like, you know, this is a temptation to make me switch. No, there wasn't anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of every year. <laughs> it's so It was so funny to watch the event and see Samsung get on stage and say, like, this is the phone that changes everything, because, like, every year they say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's every year they have features Apple doesn't have. Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, and, and maybe in some non-standard way or something like that. But there's always something you can point to and say, well, that's cool. Yeah. And that's not what's making people switch from Apple or not. You know, to, to leave the ecosystem and go get into Samsung's world, mm -hmm. not even just Android, but a lot of this stuff is very Samsung, mm -hmm. not Android. Exactly. And see, that's the, that's the thing is the only thing that has very, and it's very light, very, is Google, you know, like yeah. switching over to a Pixel. Pixel does have some interesting stuff. I don't, you know, I still don't think it's as good as an iPhone and stuff, but mm -hmm. they are actually, but that's the thing is they are actually the Android maker and they can, you know, they're, they're kind of going into that, you know, synthesis of hardware and software, you know, yeah. that is Apple's arena up until now. There was so. that great example of the new Pixel where um, they do live subtitles of mm -hmm. stuff. Like you can watch a video that doesn't have any kind of subtitles and yes. they'll just use machine learning to listen to it and make subtitles for people which is really awesome for people who are hearing impaired, but it's also just great when you're on the bus or something like that and you're just watching something yeah. that doesn't have subtitles. Uh, and that was a Pixel-exclusive feature. Samsung's the first third-party person to have a device that'll do it. These, these Galaxy S20s will do it. Mm -hmm. So that's a good example of the kind of thing that, one, it'd be really cool if Apple did that, and, and two, it's, a, it's an ecosystem thing that's like, well, yeah, if I'm jumping to an Android phone, am I really jumping into that ecosystem? Yes. Or am I getting proprietary features to this one device or just this one manufacturer? I don't see people leaving, especially it's going to go the other way because also these Galaxy S20s are super expensive, yes. like crazy <laughs> expensive. Like the cheapest one, there's three models, and the really cheap one, not the one with the awesome 100 times zoom and all that stuff, mm -hmm. is a 1000 bucks, uh, And they go up from there. And that's that's beyond iPhone territory. And if we 
if we're about to see the 399 mm-hmm. iPhone SE2, who's going to sell a lot more phones this year? Or I feel the like the first I'm, half of this year. That's an important point because I feel like people haven't really been talking about that because, you know, for many years there, it was like Apple makes too many expensive phones. There was an analyst, I, I just kind of glanced at the headline, but there was an analyst basically saying that uh, Apple should be, you know, cat- with luxury goods instead of tech and mm. stuff. And it's like, no, because, you know, now we've actually kind of going, Apple is making good, affordable phones all yeah. of a sudden. I don't think people are really, you know, it's just, you know, people are liking to think the old ways, and they're, they're actually doing really good about turning that around. Apple has done a lot of smart decisions. I in the wouldn't last say year that so. any of their new iPhones are cheap. Uh-huh. Like, you know, yeah. 800 bucks is not cheap. That's right. still a high-end phone. Um, and they still play in that global, especially when you talk look at globally. Like all their products are kind of like the high end of global pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think they should have. I think they waited too long to upgrade their sort of iPhone SE line. I think that should be at least an every other year type of thing. Yeah. But they need to they need to play in that space. They need to they need to make sure they have a product for these global markets where where people just aren't going to spend that kind of money on a phone. I agree. So, so yeah, and Samsung, you know, they don't get on stage and crow about it, but they've got a million cheap phones. Yes, they do. You know, like Galaxy A9 or whatever, these things that you get for free when you sign up for, for mobile mm, services right. and stuff. So so there's a big caveat at that when I was saying that they don't. Have, yeah, they, they do have that whole little army of stuff to choose from. So every week we try to have a two-minute tip from one of our staff members, and in this age of Apple subscriptions, uh, Jason actually has something to tell to tell you about subscriptions. So take it away. Uh, yeah. So if you have any subscriptions that are billed through Apple, which means Apple stuff like Apple Arcade or Apple Music, but also just any app like weather apps and stuff that have subscriptions, then you know that you get. Every time your subscription renews, you get a receipt email for that. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a bunch of monthly app subscriptions and other subscriptions, you get emails all the time. Well, they just added a way to opt out of those, and it's actually pretty simple. You just go to settings, tap on your name at the top, which is your Apple ID stuff, tap subscriptions, and you'll see a toggle at the top of the screen that says receive renewal receipts and you can turn that off and you won't get those emails anymore you'll still see them if you go look at your purchase history but you're just not going to get an email every month for like eight (laughs) different subscriptions that you get Uh, you can also find it on the mac if you open system preferences click on apple id and then in the left column hit payment and shipping and on the bottom of the right side you'll see uh, a notice for subscriptions to manage subscriptions. You click that and you'll get a pop-up window and, and a checkbox in there to turn it off. So you can always just turn it back on at any time you want to. It's just a it's just your emails. It's not any other notification about your receipt. So, so yeah, if you want to know more about that, uh, we have the link to the text version of that uh, up on the Macworld Podcast landing page, or you can just search for it, and it'll be there. And now it is time for your hot takes. Uh, we have a couple of here today. Uh, so one of the things the Macalope wrote was an article about uh, the AirPods Pro and talking about the competition. And it's, it's an inter- interesting piece. But Thomas Reed on Twitter was talking about how he thinks that Bose is better. And he says, honestly, Bose has beaten Apple on user experience. Switching my AirPods between two devices is more dif- difficult than switching my Bose headphones. In the latter case, I simply start playing audio on a different device and it switches automatically Bose is not the only one 
to do this mm -hmm. certainly but um yeah there's bluetooth devices um that can pair with multiple different things simultaneously they can still only use one at a time mm -hmm. so it's not like you can like they're like mixing or mm -hmm. anything there just can be you, you just don't have to repair them every time you switch devices yeah apple needs to do better about that mm -hmm. they should at least do better about the things where it automatically syncs them like you know your mac and your ipad and mm -hmm. your <laughs> apple tv all the right. all your all the things that it automatically syncs through icloud mm -hmm. like your airpods should at least be able to uh more seamlessly and quickly switch between them without having to go in and select stuff and everything. See, that's the thing. It's really easy, you know, especially since you have that control center shortcut to switch over to them with uh, your iPhone. Mm -hmm. But Apple TV is a major hassle because I watch Apple TV at home late at night with my AirPods Pro on a lot so I don't wake up my roommate. And, uh, yeah, you have to go in through multiple steps, settings, and everything to turn mm -hmm. them on through there. And it re there really needs to be a simpler way to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that is my number one gripe with AirPods is that they do not they do not connect to multiple Bluetooth devices simultaneously. And if yes. Apple is going to do these, like, high-end headphones that we hear about, mm -hmm. they really better have that. And they probably won't, but they, <laughs> they really better. I, I like to think that eventually they will, but I don't think it'll be like next year or something. So mm. it's, uh, you're like, hmm. <laughs> Thomas Reed is right about that. Yeah, about I do. I do agree. There's a lot of other areas where the user experience is way better. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just like syncing and stuff in the first place, pairing in the first place and stuff's really great on on the Apple products. See, that it's it's not the thing. I, I do love my AirPods Pro, but at work I often use my my Bose Quiet Comfort 2s. And mm -hmm. uh, that yeah, and that, that's one of the nice things is I can easily switch, you know, between my phone and my my Mac where it's much more of a hassle with the AirPods. So, and you know, and I'm mainly using those for that ANC which both of those devices have. So, um, Jason also wrote a nice explainer about, you know, two-factor authentication, and uh, it's very in-depth. But Nangrayon on Facebook had a response, and he says, I am a customer. I own the devices I purchased. It's my right to make a choice to turn two-factor um, two authentication off once it was turned on. So I'm not even sure exactly what, he's, <laughs> what he means. Yes. Um, like Can you turn it off? There, there are certain features, there are certain iPhone features that they require you to have two-factor okay. authentication that, or, or Apple's two-factor authentication turned on for. Uh -huh. um, I think that's what he's referring maybe, to. And maybe that's what he's referring yes. to. Like, you know, maybe, because doesn't Apple Pay or something require you to have two-factor turned on? You know, there was a big legal push about maybe five years ago. A uh, San Francisco guy, uh, George Gascon, was actually one of the people responsible for it. That yeah. they, you know, that they, because there were so many phones getting stolen in New York and places like San Francisco, and they believed that making things like that, you know, harder to get locked in, 2FA, you know, so I think a lot of that, right. you know, grew out of that. And so Apple is kind of like you were saying, made it necessary for a lot of things. Um, so, he, and he may be confusing two factor authentication with, um, face ID and touch ID and stuff like that, which yes. you do need required for certain things. That's not necessarily two-factor authentication. That's just a different one-factor of authentication. <laughs> two-factor authentication is when you sign into your Apple ID and it pops up that map and the six-digit code and you have to type in the six-digit code to get in. So two-factor authentication is more about your accounts than your devices. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you're right not to turn it on, but man, you should have two factor authentication on like all your important accounts. Like I have been really account. screwed over in a couple of things because I didn't have two FA, and you know, it's just like 
and a lot of the places are making it required. Uh, like banks, Facebook. Banks yeah. do. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, even like Facebook, because we have the Macworld account. Mm-hmm. I think I have to use 2FA for that. I'm I'm verified on Twitter, so that requires 2FA. You know, you have to use 2FA for that. Does it? Yeah, I, I'm pretty that. sure it does. Huh. Yes. I, mean, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it does. They, uh, may have, they may require you to have a phone number attached, but I don't remember whether they have required two-factor. Well, it seems safe, especially since you have people... You know, there was a whole. You should. Yes. I mean, like people are stealing these things and blackmailing people over stolen accounts all the time. Yeah. Anything with any money or credit card attached to it, Steam, Amazon, any of that stuff, you got to lock that down. People are. It's not about you being careful with your password. It's mm-hmm. about all these companies being careful with millions of passwords. That's true. Every day we read about somebody getting hacked and like all these passwords were stored in plain text, mm-hmm. even though they didn't say. And you know, and then they get stolen and. You know, this way, if they get your password, they still can't get in. Uh-huh. So, yeah, use two-factor authentication. Yeah. <laughs> there was the audience. Uh. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up for episode 685 of the Macworld podcast. like to thank Jason for the nice one-on-one chat here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, just want to say that if you have questions or comment, you can send them to podcast at macworld.com or you can contact us through Twitter and that's at Macworld or on Facebook. Join us on the next episode of the Macworld podcast as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next time. <laughs>